Our first reading from the book of Genesis in the 15th chapter. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from the letter to the Hebrews in the 11th chapter. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel from Luke's gospel in the 12th chapter. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. 
Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you of you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, where you have brought us into your presence, as you promised to be here in this place with your people. We pray that you move by your Holy Spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and open them up to hear your word of grace and mercy for us through your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, last week, uh, we walked through the texts that came just before what we read this week, and they really go together quite nicely. So last week, as you might remember, we uh, had the question from somebody in the crowd in Jesus' day as he was teaching, and the guy in the crowd said, you know, Jesus, tell my brother to give me half of the inheritance. And so Jesus went on to teach him about covetousness and about how to not covet the things that others have but to rely upon God and what he provides. And uh, as he told a parable, he was talking about a rich man with barns and storehouses, but the crop was plentiful, and so instead of uh, giving from the abundance that God had given to him, he had decided to hold on to all of it. Um, But then in that parable, in that teaching, um, Jesus said God required that man's soul of him that very night. He had died. So what good were all those things that he was holding on to, right? Because the man had torn down all the barns he had. He had built up bigger barns so he could store everything in them. And that is what he taught as he talked to the large crowds that were around. But then he turned to his disciples. And he turned to his disciples and focused in on them for a little bit. And he says, now you guys, you who are close to me, why are you anxious about your daily needs. You don't need to be anxious about these things. See, because he had already told them about the rich men, right? The ones that were holding on to everything, the ones that had all of those things. And we talked last week too about how this was not a teaching of Jesus against wealth and things, but that those wealthy uh, times can be a gift of abundance where we get to share and take care of one another with them, right? But he said, "Why, why are you anxious? Look at the ravens, and we got to stop there for a second with the ravens. Ravens in Scripture, as I'm sure for most of you who garden or have anything growing in your backyard, are not highly looked upon, right? If you have fruit trees 
They like to peck in at the fruit and take it and move it down to the ground. They scavenge and they scrap for whatever's on the ground. You know, in Scripture, we hear of other birds that are quite lifted up. You have doves that are good for sacrifice. You get the Psalms that talk about being on eagles' wings and, and being lifted up as ones that soar and fly. But then, then you get the ravens, the scavengers, the ones that... Everybody would probably rather not have around as they were mean birds and loud birds and nobody really wanted them in the midst of anything. God, or Jesus in that moment as he's talking to his disciples says, look at those. Look at those despised birds. Look at those lowly things that are on the ground that nobody wants around because they just scrape and scavenge and they're not even beautiful to look at necessarily. Look at those. God feeds them every single day. God takes care of them. And of how much more value are you? See, because as Jesus was talking to his people, his disciples, those close to him, he's trying to remind them of the fact that God loves them above all these things. He says, all right, the ravens, they're despised. But God loves them and takes care of them. He takes care of you even more. So why are you anxious about what you're going to eat? You know that they're taken care of? He's going to take care of you. He says, look at, the, look at the flowers. Anxious about what you're going to wear? Don't be anxious about what you're going to wear. Look at how beautifully dressed the flowers are. Look how beautifully taken care of they are. And if those are going to grow today and then dry it out and be thrown into the fire tomorrow, something that's only around for a day or two, how much more does God take care of you? And give you what you need. And I think we wrestle with that a lot of times. We wrestle with that because we wonder how that takes place. We wonder what does that look like. We wonder what does it mean for God to really take care of us. Because as we go through different hard times in life with either loved ones that are sick and in a hospital. Or we go through times where it doesn't seem like the bills are getting paid or anything else. We wonder what it starts to look like in our own individual lives and kind of to wonder, is God really faithful to his promises? Is he really going to take care of his people? Is he really going to be there and make sure that I've got food for the day? I don't know if any of you have ever looked back on years of life, but I remember certain instances uh, right out of high school, early college years, Kind of the first instances of living alone, well, not alone, I had a roommate or two, you know, but living somewhat independently because as independent as I thought I was, um, realized that family was helping out quite a bit so that ends would be met. And by family, it wasn't just my family. But I remember plenty of times coming home after work or after school or after surfing because I didn't go to work or school that day and didn't really do anything responsible either and would be sitting at the house and open up the fridge and realize that there was absolutely nothing in the fridge because no one went to the grocery store. Strange thing, when you go to the beach all day long and you don't go to the grocery store, there's no food in the fridge anymore. And I remember that hungry feeling every now and then and, you know, in my mind, I'm like, all right, Fine, got to buckle down, go to the store, get some food, because the orange and the milk that's in there is not going to suffice for dinner. And then a phone call comes in. Hey, Matt, it's Dan, Linda, Patterson, one of my friend's parents. Uh, our kids are 
out at college and uh, there's no one really at the house, but we cooked like they were home. Do you want to come over for dinner? Yeah, man, I do want to come over for dinner. But there's these brief moments in life that in the midst of them, we kind of wonder how God is going to take care of us because on our own, independently, a lot of times, it doesn't seem like things are going to add up at all. So we start to get anxious. We start to worry. And I love how Jesus even speaks into that. And he says, which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? And we go, all right, I get it. By being anxious, we're actually taking away hours. If you can't do a simple thing as that, as simple a thing as adding time to our lives, what do you mean simple? That's not simple at all. Which one of you can willingly add time to the rest of your life? Not really. That's not even in your capability. There is nothing that you can do that is going to extend your life beyond the day that it is that you would naturally die. Whatever day that is, whenever it comes, when that moment happens, you can't stop and say, wait a minute, hold on, I'd like another 30 uh, days, please, and uh, I'm going to make that happen. And Jesus says, if you can't do a simple thing like that, why are you anxious about all the other stuff? See, Jesus has an authority over life. As a son of God, as part of that Trinity, that triune God that we believe in, with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is the one who was there at the beginning of all things, and when he was there at creation and breathing life into the world, as the Son of God, the one who came in and died in our place upon a cross to take our sins upon himself so that we wouldn't suffer the wrath of God, as the one who rose from the dead because he could do that in the way that we can't, as the author of all life, he's the very one saying, look, if you can't handle bringing your own life back from the dead, why are you anxious about all the other stuff? I've got that under control. And beyond the stuff that you need every day, I've got eternity under control for you. I've got eternity that I'm going to hand to you as a free and precious gift because it's in that that I've done everything. See, as we want to try to earn our way to God, as we want to try and show Him how faithful we are, we break a lot of those promises and it separates us from that very Creator, from that very One who has done everything for us. And yet Jesus restores that relationship. Jesus is the One that has brought us back into the presence of the Father. Jesus is the one who says, look, you aren't righteous on your own, but I am giving you of my righteousness so that you would be counted as a child of God, so that you would be a member of the family of God. And in your baptism, I wrap that all the way around you and am present in your life to bring you into my presence also so that into eternity you would have life, daily bread, clothing, and not just the raiment clothing, vests and shirts and skirts and that sort of thing, but being clothed in Christ's righteousness so that you would have something that is not going to be destroyed, not going to be tainted, not going to be stained by anything you might spill on it. Nothing is going to be taken away from you that Christ has given you. A free and precious gift because he is faithful. Where's all my VBS kids? Our God is faithful? Trust God right. 
He is absolutely faithful to his promises. And as he promised Abraham, as he promised Adam and Eve, even before that, as he promised Noah and Moses and all of the people of Scripture, and as he promised you, he sent the Messiah, Jesus, the one to make things right between us and God. And he was faithful to that promise, and he's going to be faithful to all the promises that he has made beyond that point. Make sure that you're taken care of. I love that he calls the disciples my little flock, my gathering of people, right? My gathering of my sheep, my gathering of the ones that follow me, my gathering of the ones that I have brought together. And I love that idea of that flock, not so, I mean, mainly because of the shepherd that leads it, with Christ being the one who leads that flock, but in our setting and in our sense it is so beautiful to see how that flock takes care of one another in those times when we are low emotionally or spiritually there's members of that flock that god brings right next to us to speak into our lives in those times when we're in need there's people there ready and willing to live life with you and walk along with you through all of the hard moments and all of the times that are going on each day so that you would not be alone or feel like you have to be the one that makes everything happen for your life because God's got you in the midst of a group of people where they are there for you. As God continues to work through his church for his church, as he take care of one another, there's a pastor that I talk to every now and then, and he was relaying a story of when he was in Georgia. And as he was relaying the story, he said he and his wife were going through house ownership things and having to write in, or not write, but uh, decide on insurance policies and different things that were going on. And they were trying to balance how much they could afford versus what they might need if a hurricane came through in Georgia and all those kind of storms that might happen. And it was specifically around their roof. And he said, you know, what we need is well beyond what we could ever afford to pay for and they stopped for a second <clears throat> and they said we're we actually need to look at this somewhat differently because for most folks and especially folks outside of the church or folks that are really trying to live life on their own they've got to take care of that on their own he said but if something actually happened to our house there's a whole congregation of folks that would rally around to come help build come help put together and the actual financial cost would be so much lower because a lot of that cost would be paid by the love of the people that were gathered together as a church family. And I think you've all seen that in different ways in life. As folks gather together to take care of the needs of one another at church. And it's beautiful to see that family care for one another in that way. And it's not always monetary by any means. But to be able to walk through hard times, to be able to walk through confusing times, to be able to walk through all of these other daily needs that we have, God has given you his whole church and brought you into that whole church to continue to care for you every single day so that you would be taken care of way more than the ravens because God loves you even more than them. You'd be taken care of or even longer than the flowers of the field that are so beautiful because God loves you more than them. You see, he sent his son to die for you so that you would be his 
and live into eternity in God's presence. And that's a gift given to no one else but those that he loves the most, the people of his creation. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the wonderful gifts that you give, the beautiful things in your creation that we get to enjoy every single day from the flowers to the birds to everything else. And we thank you for how you care for us. You nourish our bodies, but more than that, you nourish our souls. And we thank you for the forgiveness that you have given us so freely through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise as you are able and we will